हेलो गाइस वेलकम टू अपग्रेड विद नकुल अगर एप्पल हर 11 महीने में अपने फोन अपग्रेड कर सकता है तो हम हर हफ्ते अपग्रेड क्यों नहीं हो सकते द पॉइंट ऑफ द शो इज वी मीट इंटरेस्टिंग पीपल दे गिव अस देयर प्रोडक्टिविटी हैक्स द टेक्नोलॉजी दे यूज और हम होंगे अपग्रेड उनके साथ Welcome to another exciting episode of Upgrade with Nakul, and I have a very close friend of mine with me, and he is Rahul. So Rahul is co-founder of Burger Singh, a well-known burger delivery chain, and more interestingly, was my CrossFit trainer two years ago. Uh, uh, and <laughs> it's a interesting combination. So welcome, Rahul. Thanks, man. And uh, so to the listeners, uh, so I I joined CrossFit. Uh, two two and a half years ago, and Rahul was my first trainer and the first person who got me hooked into fitness and everything. Yeah, you were my trainer for first three months. Right. Yeah, because you did the six a.m. classes. So yes. <laughs> Damn right. Nobody else would do those, and I had to still get into work. So it was like wrap everything up by nine o'clock and and sort of get out. Yeah. So. And I know there is an interesting story behind you being into CrossFit. So. Let's go into that first. Sure. How did you become CrossFit trainer? Because I've heard you were like me. You were like fat, and I'm going to call myself fat because I am fat. And I was fat. I used to own it. I used to have a lot of fun, you know, doing it. I used to call myself fat, fat Buddha, and I used to make people rub my stomach for good luck and everything. So I mean, I had I had fun with it. I understand that you know that's a uh, a thing that people you know get over and all that. but basically that's also sort of the reason like coming to your question that's why i had to get into it uh, uh, crossfit because i had become so all, all throughout my 20s i had uh, a fairly unhealthy sort of a lifestyle right there was a lot of drinking partying there was a lot of uh, you know like maybe a kfc bucket for lunch uh, every or maybe three times a week you know that that sort of the usual 20s yeah <laughs> the usual 20s when you realize like you sort of grow up so school i grew up like being an athlete and i you know played sport regularly I Played multiple sports and and did all of that, uh, but you get into your twenties and then you're sort of you know away from your parents and you have all these opportunity areas that have just opened up. Uh, you realize you realize you don't have to take permission from people to do do what you want, so you just sort of go. So yeah, I had I had a wild time and it was a lot of fun. So how did you turn it around? So uh, my I mean, firstly, it started with the scare, and I think the reason it's important to mention that in this context is because it. Uh, you know like motivation matters a lot when it comes to doing things like turning your life around you know because it is essentially that's what it is it's like there's nothing there's no one aspect of fitness that just gets you there right you have to fix your food you have to uh, you start training there's like a, a thousand small adjustments that you make in your life so it's not going to happen without a serious motivation to do it and that i think is very important for people to sort of identify what that is and sort of use that to uh, you know tune into that uh, even as you're going through the journey because you need something to keep sort of reinstating the the excitement or or you know revalidating the reason why you're doing this uh, so for me it was that i tested uh, uh, like uh, did a regular blood work uh, thing i suppose and found out that i had high cholesterol and high uh, blood pressure and I put on medication for both and i was only like 29 or something i was 29 at the time so uh, that was quite a, a shock plus you know it started suddenly small things that started dawning up on me that you'd go, I'd go for these vac- uh, vacations and once in a while when we did end up playing like football on the beach or something i realized i couldn't i'd like i didn't have 3 minutes worth of sort of stamina in me uh to be able to do something and i think that 
like i think about i think back on this and i think that like not being able to play sport was almost like a bigger deal for me than the fact fact you know than the fact that i had all the that i had a blood pressure problem and a, a you know a, a cholesterol problem uh, it was uh, so i don't know it's like a chicken and egg situation i don't know which one came first uh but i started like telling myself i, I used to find myself saying repeatedly that look you're never going to be able to do this again right you're never like i'm going to be 50 soon and then i'm never going to be able to play a sport competitively or with any amount of uh uh you know never really play a sport and i loved how that felt like i spent my entire childhood playing sports and being active and doing you know going trekking and doing all these things and like the fear of that sort of going away permanently was like a big uh, big sort of motivator uh to to do it so i mean actually once i did start it didn't take me long to like cut the fat especially so it happened in like two parts i'd say uh, the first was the losing fat bit uh, which just happened playing like running a lot and playing tennis and i managed to cut it really fast too i, I remember now i think i think i cut like 36 kilos in like 6 months uh 36 to 40 kilos in like 6 months uh because i just like got in got back into that mindset that i'm going to be an athlete again like i'm sort of going to, going to live my life like an athlete and this is also the time when i had like i was in between different things that i was doing so I was from a, I, i used to run this small sort of consulting company uh maybe com- companies too grandiose a term i had like a few employees and we had a few projects and that that used to sort of keep me uh afloat i was not very sort of ambitious with that uh but so so i was in, i just shut that down and i hadn't like gotten into anything else yet so i also had this six month period where i was just training like four hours a day five hours a day i said uh, i had to pick i knew i had to pick something that i really liked so i got to i picked tennis as just randomly sort of out of a hat said okay what's the one sport that i would like to learn uh, that i can't already play and tennis you know seemed to be one that i always wanted to so i just picked up tennis and then just sort of went to town <laughs> you know like so it was six months of like training four hours a day or something and i managed to cut that like pretty soon it's after that then i got started getting interested in like other things like okay now you know the, because i still you know then it was just about i had so much more stamina and so much more energy and that's when i really started like i sort of just happened to drop into a crossfit class and i was still very unfit like don't mean don't get me wrong like i lost some weight but i still couldn't like even do like a few push ups or or even one pull up or uh you know uh any of that stuff so i just showed up for one class and then it just sort of kept growing and growing and yeah like a few years later i was coaching people and like <laughs> it changed quite significantly yeah so i think for me the turning point was uh, i love eating out and i couldn't uh, i i think i turned 32 and i realized that i couldn't eat out anymore uh because uh, every time i eat out then uh, i uh, i was in a bad shape for the next two days and at that point of time i realized that i had to do something and also because i was running cashfly i didn't have enough time in the evening so the only actually getting into crossfit was very accidental because that was the only center open around my area which was open at 6 at 6 o'clock in the morning right <laughs> <laughs> because 6 yeah. 8, 6 to 7 was the only time um, i had and then uh, you got me hooked right i love i really just enjoyed i i remember the first two weeks it was just exhausting i wanted to puke every day and uh, but i just kept coming back for more punishment and uh, after a month uh, it just became a habit and i could see such a huge improvement in my work life uh, just because of that one hour in the morning yeah i mean i think it makes all the difference in the world you know like especially the aspect of uh, you know how you feel like people don't 
when when people before you get into it there's a very limited vision with most people it's like okay i need to look, look lose a little bit of weight generally speaking that's it and i need to you know look a little better in my on the beach or whatever and it's like something something like that that's so it's vanity driven uh, usually but once you get into it there's like so many other great offshoots from it like you feel more energetic you feel more present you can have other you know conversations better and 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 that's really the biggest payoff like that's the most fun part that's the reason i think why people sustain a fit lifestyle uh, you know once once they once they get to it is like is like because this, all these other payoffs are so great yeah so for me I, the pay, the better thing has been it's been a sustainable weight loss nice yeah Uh, even during covid uh where i was doing nothing i thought i would definitely gain back the weight but i did not do that much i mean i definitely think look i'm definitely of the opinion that you know a lot of as we you know our bodies haven't evolved as fast as generally speaking as civilization has evolved right so we are still like with food habits you see that most of these preventable diseases now are a factor of eating things that our bodies haven't really evolved to uh absorb the same way in which uh you know it, it, at the same rate at which they've been adopted into your normal supply chain and, and and food and so on but that's also true with movement like movement is cut out is which used to be such an integral part of the way humans were is completely been removed from our lives so i think we really underestimate the value that that has and there's something just very primal about fighting you know like it's such a primal human yeah 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 that i think there's a Uh, i i really do believe that people underestimate the value that that has in just in terms of your well-being and your integration as a human being uh being able to sort of move every day and i think it has a huge part and i think people that go through that experience on a regular basis and it can be anything it can be dance it can be you know uh, whatever it is that it can be sport uh uh but it it really sort of makes a difference yeah my 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 coach in boxing was a this uh, i think she must be 25 25 year old female who was a state level um, uh, boxer from haryana and she was timid like <laughs> very short and she would beat the she would beat the fuck out of me yeah. every time yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like being in a matrix movie uh, where uh, the punches are flying and you don't know where they're coming from i'm very familiar with that so tell me how did how did your burger singh journey begin how did you get into that and from being a fitness freak to running a you know junk food <laughs> chain the irony itself so i don't uh, technically run it run it uh, burger singh was a friend's idea kabir is a, a, a friend of mine who i have known for some time now uh, even before uh, he got into this he was in so i actually knew a lot of friends of his and he was in the uk and i kept hearing of him but uh, uh, finally when i met him we did get along fairly well uh, it was always his idea to open burger sing uh, when in in the beginning it was me just sort of so this was at around the time when i was just getting started with this whole fitness thing like so on the timeline the time that i said that i was just starting to play tennis to cut weight and, and, and so on uh, so i wasn't really all into fitness when it started off right uh especially not like the uh, not the crossfit and and then the everything else that i'm doing now not like gymnastics and the other stuff uh so uh it was uh, I, I, and the initial idea was just to sort of get on board and help uh, him and another friend uh, who were the original uh, founders uh, uh to get it off the ground uh, so i've changed like i've uh, and and so that went on for like a year i think uh in the beginning it did reasonably well we picked up from so went from one outlet on uh sun city on the golf course road 
to i think about eight outlets uh, by the end of that year uh, end of the first year and we'd already raised our first sort of angel round and so on but then i actually like after my first one year stint i actually left for a while uh, because it wasn't going to be my long term plan like i hadn't envisioned it as uh, at that point or something that i wanted to do it was more of you know i i like startups i like that environment i know these guys really well they they good friends uh and uh you know so i thought that that whole bit would be fun and it, and it was uh but at the end of a year i was like uh, that okay i need to move on and sort of find something that i'm like really into to do on a uh and so i actually left and then uh you know stuff happened things didn't go according to plan and so on and then i eventually got back into uh, it about 8 months uh, maybe it was uh, maybe 10 months uh after the initial uh, after i left uh and then i've sort of been with them since so that's sort of how it's gone no so tell me one thing so is bagasing a cloud kitchen concept uh, how do you, how do you differentiate yourself from any other burger chain no so it's a, it's essentially a qsr and now qsrs are quick service or quick service restaurants uh, uh, uh and the now a qsr can obviously exist in multiple formats so you've got your international ones that everyone will know of which are the mcdonalds and the burger kings and so on uh and and the idea and the reason i feel like a quick service restaurant is very different from a regular uh, restaurant is because the supply chain the preparation of food uh everything is done with uh, efficiency in mind right uh, so uh, the idea is to be able to turn out food fast uh, from uh, from a business perspective for burger king specifically uh, it was that there was no sort of uh, second burger player in india at the time so when we got when kabir opened the first outlet in november of 2014 uh, and i think i must have joined like a few months after that a couple of months maybe after that uh, there wasn't uh, mcdonald's was it burger king was just getting into in, just getting into india uh, there were a lot of other american brands trying to break into the market at that point i think wendy's was trying to get in carl's junior was trying to get in uh, and all these guys had like a couple of outlets each so it was like way away like them them talking about the genesis of the sort of uh, uh, was, was was just heating up uh but uh, so what kabir did was that he looked at all the sort of uh, players in the market and then he looked at the the successful uh, chain in india and and to him dominos was by far the most successful one because i mean just in numbers they had like at that point i think 1200 uh, outlets across the country now a lot more uh and and the thing that dominos did really well was they kept their uh, costs uh, extremely streamlined so your capital expenditure in opening a new outlet wasn't that high uh, operationally uh, the expenses were kept very low dominos doesn't go into big expensive uh, retail spaces uh, when you see their outlets uh, they have like a seating of maybe two or three tables they don't open uh huge outlets and the idea is to focus on delivery and and do a uh, pr- provide a sort of standardized product at an affordable price and at a good uh, uh, quality and so that had just really worked uh, really well it had helped them scale really quickly uh build a supply chain so they got like the bet the larger the supply chain grew the more economies of scale they generally had and that had you know so the whole thing had sort of snowballed into this massive uh, uh chain i mean obviously dominos is an established brand but the way it you know they focus did it in india is slightly different from uh, maybe maybe other places it's a pure franchise model yeah so uh, i mean subway is a 100% uh, franchise model this is in india run by one company but yeah essentially it is still uh, Yeah. So, uh, so he looked at that and said, "That's what we need to do in the burger space." 
because there's no one like that mcdonald's wasn't really focused on delivery burger king was just getting in so we didn't know what they were going to do but no one was uh, sort of there in the delivery space to that degree now this is still like uh, early days and uh, zomato and swiggy were just sort of uh, also getting in you know getting started uh, but uh, that that was the original plan now the outlets and the product itself did really well because it was also uh, the other thing that kabir identified i think really well was that uh, that uh, a lot of products that really work with uh, with brands like mcdonald's etc are the ones that have been customized somehow to an indian palate so like the mcalu tikki with with uh, mcdonald's is such a big deal and it was at a low affordable price point and it was it sort of wasn't intimidating for people to step into a mcdonald's they would say okay that's an affordable price point i'm going to go uh, and then the next time they would upgrade into something more expensive and so on uh, <clears throat> so uh, so that you, but but the customization of the taste to the indian palate was key and the other brands were never going to be able to do this on a large scale because they had a different sauce in it right that 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 was the difference correct so i mean so i mean burger king was essentially about just indian flavors so flavors from across india uh fused fused with burgers the so it was the sauces and the meats themselves also the patties have uh, different kind of keemas etc according to our recipes that are sort of built and put, to, put together and uh yeah so though both those things like a heavy focus on delivery uh, affordable prices uh, a, a good standardized uh, quality because and a strong uh, supply chain uh was sort of the focus of the whole thing uh, so from that degree yeah we're not we're not really a cloud kitchen model to sort of answer your original question uh, not just the cloud kitchen model but that is the uh, our strength is in the supply chain and and the and the and, the, and producing the product at a certain uh, price point so uh, let's talk about pre covid uh, february how many how many outlets uh we were just around touching 50 i think wow uh we were just around touching we were just around touching 50 we only recently started franchising seriously so we've uh, played around with the concept a little bit uh, but we've just started uh franchising so majority of them were still company owned uh we've actually kept franchising throughout the covid period and done really well uh, uh with the whole franchising piece uh so now we have about like i think we have 25 30 in the pipeline uh, uh franchisees that we've signed up but our own outlets i think we were just around it was either 48 or 50 and so and pre covid uh, what was your split between dine in and delivery oh god uh, it was still i mean we were still predominantly delivery first uh, i mm. think it would have been something like 75% uh, delivery to 25% dine in so i i i have only visited one or two of your outlets where there was not really a choice to dine in but maybe take away is that true for all your stores I mean we do three kinds we've got the cloud kitchen which is delivery only deliveries only and then we have the uh, uh, takeaway version which uh, is on a, if you want to do a high street sort of a store there's the takeaway version uh, and then there's uh, the proper dine in uh, store which is still not a very big dine in store i mean we would still have not more than 25 30 covers Uh, uh even at full capacity now there are some except notable exceptions we've just signed one uh, on the deradun highway or drive through uh, and uh, that's going to be a you know much bigger store and then we've signed a few other larger ones in gujarat uh, but generally speaking it's been uh, the highest number have been cloud kitchens then takeaways and then the smallest is the dine in dine in outlets and were you guys operating during uh, the lockdown time or was was your operation completely shut 
we kept the so we had to cut back on costs obviously everyone had to like it was suddenly the market had died so there was no uh, uh, dine in all of the dine in the 25% dine in was out immediately the takeaways were out uh, people for the first few months had completely stopped ordering so we were down at like uh, we were only about 10% of uh, pre covid volumes all of a sudden uh, so we had to like the outlets that were very uh, expensive to keep running we had to shut down so we shut down a lot of uh, dine in outlets takeaway outlets uh, in a lot of cases we were able to sort of go and 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 uh, you know go and and have them on the like basically come to some sort of an agreement with them so we lowered a lot of costs and we were able to you know get to a point where the where we weren't bleeding uh, cash at least uh but uh, primarily the ones that were running were the cloud kitchens uh, and they were the sort of saviors <laughs> what is your take on zomatos and the swiggies of the world uh i mean like everything else there's like a good side and a bad side <laughs> to, to to it uh there's they've expanded the market phenomenally uh obviously like the deliveries become like a everyday uh, uh sort of a thing uh most people now I mean, although our numbers still don't uh, come anywhere close to China's, uh, for example, but the average person is ordering a lot, lot more now uh, than they would previously. I mean, most people would order out like at least two times a week or three times a week. No, so I I have friends in China and they don't have a kitchen in their house. They don't have a kitchen, and I was I was shocked. And they said you don't need a kitchen because you can order every meal, and they order every meal. Yeah, of course. some of them are most of them are bachelors but still yeah yeah they order something like 50 billion takeaway meals a year or something uh the last i heard so it it's crazy the number that they do and i start growing here as well so i mean to that end look these guys have done a great job obviously they've uh, expanded the market uh they've been able to optimize uh, delivery costs for instance because as an independent restaurant owner uh you know running a uh, run hiring delivery boys and paying uh, paying them and 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 doing the marketing etc uh, those costs have come down for restaurants uh, so people keep coming complaining about the commission but for someone like us our average order value is around 300 rupees uh, a ticket and if i was to do delivery on my own i'd end up paying something like 100 anywhere between 80 and 100 rupees for the delivery uh, alone so that's 33% of my order gone uh, of on delivery now even if zomato you know charges doesn't zomato definitely doesn't charge that much uh, so it it the overall cost have gone down the volumes have sort of gone up right uh, and that's the good part uh, the the thing that sort of stemmed off from there which rest, most restaurants would say has become the big challenge with the aggregators is that uh, also because it's such a big marketplace now it's very highly competitive so all, all our margins have suddenly disappeared in order to get higher volumes you keep uh, competing with the other restaurants for uh, you know on discounts and whatever you say at the end of the day india the way discount driven market like there's no amount of uh, uh, i shouldn't sound like a cynic but <laughs> there's you know uh, uh, running a discount has goes a, goes a lot further than uh, you know just a, a clever innovation to the product so no but that's that's true india is a price conscious market and if if there are 10 burgers and there is one cheaper the cheaper will sell even if it's yuck uh, yeah yeah i've i've definitely seen that like i don't there's absolutely no doubt that that's the case so you so i mean in that sense what it's doing like the effect that it's having uh, uh by you know creating this big marketplace so you're now not just restricted by the you know restaurants that you've tried out 
in the past as a consumer sitting at home you're not just restricted by the outlets that you've tried out you suddenly have like 500 options on your on your phone uh, you're going to so the competitiveness of the marketplace is going to increase and everyone is going to in order to stay competitive for price is going to keep drop, dropping the quality down uh, i don't see that as being really great for the industry in the long run uh, obviously uh so i mean yeah that that bit is challenging but like everything else like it's a it's a you know there there's pros and cons and uh, i try not not to think of it as a good or a bad thing and just you know try and understand the space so you want to understand how to how we can navigate through it yeah but but i understand you also have your own uh, uh platform where you can order right yeah Does that help? Yeah, I mean, we have our direct channels. So we used to do our website. Uh, we have the call center. Uh, at some points in time, it's not always been uh, uh, on in the sense that we have sort of temporarily switched it off from time to time. but because it is uh, more expensive to do deliveries on your own and and sort of to get repeat customers and so on uh, having said that there's like those are indispensable sources because you have to have a direct touch point with the with your consumer is uh, like i won't say anything is more important so yeah we do we do have our own uh, and we continue to sort of and we plan to continue sort of developing those in the long run what about what about technology in your back end kitchen so i'm i i've been reading a lot of you know innovation happening in um, kitchen robotics and how uh, that is the way forward uh, do you see that happening in india yeah yeah i mean absolutely look it has to happen everywhere because big data technology is about making is about opt- optimizing things so as long as there are area opportunity areas in a market that's expanding someone is going to come out with clever solutions every time that a new clever solution comes out uh, it's going to get optimized to some degree now you may call it technology but in some cases it would just be uh, you know uh, uh, data analytics uh, that would help you sort out you know uh, employ let's say 50 less people than you had to in the in the previous year right uh, so uh, all all of these things are solving uh, uh, problems uh and 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 more and more technologies solve smaller and smaller like so uh, to give you an example just managing inventory and supply chain uh is is such a critical part of of this whole space right of running a restaurant and it is such a huge huge part of it any optimization that can be done there uh in terms of terms of managing inventory and and uh, better predicting uh what your uh, indenting is going to be at each store any optimization that you can have over there leads to such a massive massive uh, uh saving for the company uh, overall across uh, that many stores that is going to immediately uh, uh, sort of catch on right uh and 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 similarly so just from when we started there have been new technologies in the uh, point of sale softwares that have come in there been new technologies in the uh, integrations that are being used between the payment platforms like paytm etc and 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 zomato there have been uh, better integrations and new technologies that help deliver uh, rider management and to you know e- most easily access the access the closest available rider uh, Uh, that sort of thing there have been optimizations that have been done within swiggy and zomato that have like driven their volumes through the roof yeah no but you should you you i should talk to i don't know if you know mukun foods so no so shout out to db uh, db is a close friend and uh, he runs uh, mukun foods uh, out of bangalore and they started out with uh, the auto automated uh, dosa maker right which you see everywhere now and now they have gone really deep so they have 
a biryani machine uh, of course they have the pizza machine and everything and they serve a lot of international clientele food chains and for them the the main goal is standardization so every order how do you get the same food the same taste levels every time um, so he was telling me about this biryani machine where even uh, the mixing of the the rice and the chicken and everything happens by the robotic arm and and this is being made in india and uh, you know i would love to see a burger being assembled and every time the ratio of sauce to patty kind of thing remains i'm pretty sure that it will get to a point now uh, where we will not, not just will you be able to get the right amount of sauce you can also uh, you know these platforms will evolve enough to uh, then compare that data of how much sauce was used and correlated to your rating so that every person gets their own customized uh, right level of sauce you know like so if you only like you don't like mayonnaise and you like something else then then without anyone having to have a conversation about it mm-hmm. i can i can say hey don't only put 20% ketchup and maybe 30% mustard yeah i'm saying that eventually it will probably get to a point where you won't even have to say that like just because of your rating and the and the you know cross relation of the of technology at some point i'm sure sure that you know <laughs> it'll just depending be... on my last 10 orders they will decide what do i like what do you like exactly i think i think the zomato and swiggy are already doing it because i i keep so when i open my zomato app versus somebody else's zomato app they, we have different recommendations yeah that that they do for sure So I know that the algorithms are currently based on what your spending capacity is, uh, what are the cuisines that you normally order, and and with what uh, uh, frequency. So they optimize for conversion, and they optimize exactly for uh, uh, menu opens to uh, checkout. Uh, and so whatever the whatever restaurants within your most preferred cuisine have the highest uh, possibility of converting you as a customer is the one that you'll see uh, first. Uh, and and so yeah so i mean and maybe probably the, whoever is spending the most on the platform yeah i i am always fascinated by the food business and especially for example you know if you, if we just talk about burgers right and i'm sure you guys have already perfected that burger delivery is such a difficult task because uh, you know that after half an hour the bun will get soggy how do you how do you make sure that what is the optimum time of delivery so that and you have both customers you have the dine in customer and also the delivery customer so do you differentiate a burger on hey this guy is dine in is going to eat right now let me put maybe i don't know less sauce in it or more sauce in it and then oh this is delivery so how do i make sure that the bun is not soggy enough when it reaches because it's a bad experience right so i mean there's things that you can do steps you can take in the actual preparation process that make it easier so for instance how you layer the burger and where the sauce is on the burger makes a huge difference you can for instance layer it with things like lettuce etc in strategic ways so that it doesn't seep into the bun for example uh, that is one of the things we started doing when no one else was doing it which is why we were able to so we were we had basically moisture barriers between the the wet elements of the burger and the dry elements uh, that allowed us uh, to keep our burgers fresh for like 45 50 minutes for you know till they till they got to the customer but the other thing that's happened with zomato and swiggy is just because of the sheer number of riders that they have available they're able to get these deliveries done in something like 15 20 minutes in most cases right a majority of the deliveries only take that much time and 
because our processes are so streamlined so you were talking about like that magnetic arm that does the biryani uh, at at our back end uh, the entire preparation of the food is uh, is uh, the food is not touched by hand it it does happen in factories currently already where the you know patties etc are put together and they're not you know the machine processes they're not touched by hand at all uh, in the entire supply chain process till it gets delivered to the outlet uh, at the outlet you know cooking a burger is not rocket science it's just like flipping it over a few times and then assembling the burger and putting it out right uh, so it's fairly simple and you you're, you're right maybe we will see that day where that will just be done by a robot also and i won't, we won't need to have any people inside a, a store uh, that mechanism will just run itself uh, but uh, yeah so i mean yeah so that that's the first part of it is that you can actually do things to ensure that uh, it's it doesn't sort of seep through uh, to the bun uh the second part is that these guys have made the deliveries a lot easier now uh so it takes much uh, much uh, like it, it takes like 25 20 to 25 minutes for the product to get to your house from the time that you order it uh and and with the dining uh, takeaway question now we just expand our capacity accordingly so when we know in like places like canot place etc where we know there's going to be a certain amount of dining uh, uh, uh crowd see over a period of time these like the demand at different various hours becomes fairly predictable so you know what's going to happen on a sa- average saturday friday or an average saturday uh, and how many orders you're going to get within a certain period so you can just sort of equip your uh, equ- you know equip your staff and and everyone else to sort of uh, cater to that we look at a lot of uh, data uh, for supply and we have very high sort of reliance on data uh, so it helps us sort of i i feel better predict uh, these situations yeah i i because i live very close to one of your outlets i also remember you were the first ones to introduce midnight delivery delivery till 4 how did that come about uh, yeah i just mentioned my 20s <laughs> where we had like uh, where we spent a majority of our time partying and then not having some and having to eat like really shitty uh, parathas at zaika at zaika every time uh, and there wasn't always a uber around to drive you back then i mean there were no ubers so <laughs> unless you had that one sober friend who was willing to you know drive to you at 3 o'clock in the morning uh, your option was either you know cook yourself a maggi or do something something else so obviously the first thing we thought of was like we we thought of it as a real important need you know that it's like uh, like it's really important But to have food that should be obvious for every delivery restaurant right but you guys did it uh, did you see encouraging number when you started it and how has it been till now yeah yeah absolutely like even now there are spaces that we get into that still don't have it right so we enter new cities all the time like we went into uh, hyderabad recently with about nine outlets and uh, we were doing late night deliveries and we started off in like week 1 we were doing between 300 and 400 orders per kitchen uh, per day uh, just because we were absolutely killing the late night market uh, because the competition in that uh, segment was just like so so low uh, round i'm sure you would have those interesting customer stories which you would uh, talk about during drinks yeah i would love to hear some really you know I honestly don't have a lot, and it's because I don't deal with uh, things. But look, there are people who are uh, look. I don't want to. Uh, obviously, if I've had had a disagreement with someone, then I'm obviously on the other side of that argument. So it would just not be polite to sort of you know pick on anyone. But but there've been very interesting calls that we've had about people that are uh, uh, upset about various things. People look. 
I, I'm over, you know, even outside Burger King, I realized at one point that look, no matter what you do, there's going to always going to be a certain amount of people that are not satisfied entirely with what, right? So there are always those people calling up and just uh, declaring that they're dissatisfied with something that you would normally just attribute to subjective choice, and you wouldn't really make a, you know, thing think anything about it. But uh, people call to say all sorts of things that I and the one the funniest ones that I find are always people that call and say that you ye burger apko ye ni naam rakna chahiye tha ye naam rakna chahiye tha to zada acha bikta and you get like acha theek hai like fair enough uh, so people actually call you up and say that I feedback देना चाहता हूँ और change कर दो oh yeah yeah about everything about absolutely everything about uh, little lines that we have on the sanitizer packet uh, about uh, the color of a certain packaging. Uh, about there's so many interesting YouTube videos like I we we I pehle I didn't even know it was a thing like I didn't know because you're not prepared to look out for something like that so the first time I actually happened to YouTube Burger King I found like a whole bunch of really really interesting uh, YouTube videos of you know people that have done uh, you know this burger versus that burger only eating Burger King for like 24 hours uh, this is what they put in every single Burger King burger on the menu. And then, like this guy over like three days is doing nothing but ordering Burger King burgers and opening them and tearing them apart and like talking about the flavors, etc. So it was like so, I, I, and that was like I, I didn't know even to sort of look out for something like that. Uh, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's people who have whatever from all. Uh, yeah, the funniest uh, customer call that I got was so we also have a, a few outlets in London, and uh, uh, we I got a. a customer call from a guy who had been uh, to our outlet in london uh, and then uh, uh, gone back to south africa and uh, wanted to now open a uh, burger king uh, bring basically bring uh, burger king to uh, south africa and he went on with me for like 45 minutes to an hour uh, and i can't believe i can't remember his name now because he turned out to be the brother of this cricketer but i can't remember the cricketer's name now but he basically wanted to open a, a, a an outlet and bring it to south africa and he went on for like we had like a one hour long conversation about the experience and how he and he started like drawing up various examples of situations he could imagine where people would have a burger singing and all that so you know that was but did you finally end up opening it no because we i mean we weren't keen on going you know sort of expanding the supply chain uh yeah, yeah it was just it's just spreading yourself to thing that's not a core competency like we've done london now and london is sort of uh, uh, growing but it took it took an enormous amount of bandwidth to sort of get it off the ground so uh, it's not a main uh, thing we will consider it at some point for sure uh, because we con- constantly get from you know there's a lot of punjabis in canada and and so on so we constantly get requests from uh, other places and we will do it at some point but this this not now noted Yeah. So how has been post covid for burger king what kind of recovery are you seeing what do you think is the future of you know food at large after covid it's i mean it's promising now for sure the delivery bit is uh, so the two aspects of it really i'd say like one is that we've uh, uh, had to sort of optimize all our costs which we've done reasonably well the cloud kitchens were a big savior for us uh, because we were already delivery first and didn't have very expensive uh, uh sort of operating costs like i mentioned earlier uh we uh we've sort of managed to bridge the gap on uh the lost revenue very very easily or a lot like a lot better than some other players were able to do for instance but that that's not sustainable those costs will come back i mean those costs will come back as you start as you keep growing uh 
uh, as you keep sort of reopening stores, but you can intelligently just choose to, you know, now do it only. Look, we have a clear vision on what's going to happen. Now, dine-in is not going to suddenly come back uh, all of a sudden, right? Uh, and and we're fairly like, even if there is a vaccine situation and, and uh, it gets rolled out, it'll be very obvious uh, how that sort of market is uh, is stepping up. So for us to now open up new avenues, I think it will be fairly easy because we'll see what's happening and then and it doesn't take us a lot of time to sort of open uh, a new space, right? Uh, so we'll be able to get into that in a measured way. So I don't think there's any risk there anymore. Like I think we've, we've sailed through the toughest part of this uh, uh, whole thing. Uh, and we're now doing a lot of franchising and the cloud kitchen model breaks even so early that, uh, uh, you know, uh, it just makes business. Sense. Yeah. So, I mean, that it, it's very easy to keep it going and deliveries on, on their own are almost 75% of what they used to be even pre COVID now. So I'm, I'm assuming that by the time we get into Diwali and, you know, all, and just the festive season and then new years, uh, I'm estimating it to be all as close to you know normal in fact it might even go up now because so the people that were previously going out to you know restaurants to eat etc is going to be ordering home so so that will change for you so tell me one thing and um, i'm i'm asking this because we we are always constantly debating this in cashify so we have we have also offline stores and we have just gone into franchising uh, and we've just been to franchise stores uh, the the debate is always hey how will it affect your brand will you be able to maintain quality do you do you also have those doubts internally uh i mean see the doubts are always there because essentially you're now giving away your baby and something you put together very you know you and your team have put together very carefully and now you're sort of giving it out to someone else to handle it right so there's obviously going to be a concern there's also in india a lot of easily available examples of what can happen when franchising goes wrong i mean mcdonald's is a big example right no even let's not even think that way well, I, I think for example i hate gyani or wajiva you could find a wajiva in every nook and corner of delhi at one point of time and i think he franchised hell out of it and i think and that was the end of wajiva yeah look so so i mean there's definitely that risk without a question the things that work to our advantage a lot with franchising is is that one is that all the cooking is done at the back end right so the stores like i said are just assembly units there's no cooking that happens there are banco you put the bun in the toaster you grill the patty for a few minutes and then you wrap it and then you remove it right uh, this is the same with all the other brands so beside burger seeing we have bowl hub there's another brand and there's another you know a few other brands in other cuisines that we are launching now uh, uh, in momos and biryani and so on uh, uh, that we will launch very shortly uh, with that, and the thing with all of our things is the same that everything all the cooking is done at the back end so the outlets themselves are just assembly units uh, and so the actual area for someone to be able to mess up at least in terms of the food is very low right there's not that much or it's not like your food quality doesn't depend on the mood of your chef on that particular day because it you know it, it, it like there's no it, it doesn't matter the product is fairly standardized your market fluctuations that happen in normal restaurants kya sabji achhi aayi kal nahi aayi you know all of that sort of gets taken away uh, just gets taken out of the equation so uh, from that end there's uh, the chance for someone to mess up is very low like i'd say the chance for someone to mess up inside a subway is very low 
like how many times do you go into a subway i mean i'm not saying it doesn't happen but it's 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 less frequent than uh, going into a dana choga and finding different quality food yeah, i think indian food franchising is super tough it's very tough i mean even franchising ka scalability is only tough because aap is same cheez kitna repeat kar loge how do you ensure the same level of you know every chef has a different uh, has different, different slightly different way of cooking so if it's going to be even if you standardize all recipes and standardize everything there's always going to be somewhat of a difference because the kitchen is a busy environment especially love if you if you are cooking in a tandoor that is something so difficult to replicate in every cook yeah uh, for example i would love to have a indian qsr which could really scale up but you you don't find them you, you don't find the same quality dal you don't find the same quality tandoori chicken right Yeah. it's every order in on itself yeah no i agree it's for the same same reasons uh, you buy chicken from the local market all your produce is you know sort of uh, is, is is fresh and it that will vary from day to day uh, the chef will vary so there's a lot of like i'm i'm sure there people who do it well but uh, it's a very very difficult thing to do so do you guys also plan to get into indian sometime we have indian dishes as a part of bowl hub already but those are single serve bowl meals uh also sort of heaten uh, sort of model uh, but uh, not 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 in the way that like dana choga would be or like punjab grill or something like that would be you know okay now to one of the most interesting aspect when i pinged you you told me you have moved to goa yeah <laughs> yeah how does that happen so i've been here for the last 3 uh, months or so now uh-huh. and uh, it's been great i mean look the, the biggest thing was that if my my own job at burgessing that is is mostly numbers and tech and and sort of business development so most of my work can get done uh, over zoom calls and phone phone calls right uh, and and we weren't going into the office in any case like we realized very quickly that uh, i mean we we shut down the office fairly quickly fairly early into this whole lockdown situation uh, and working for, from home has really actually worked really well for us so at, at a company level like i think we've just been able to like the people the you know the younger crowd that we had uh was sort of motivated enough that we were able to uh you know that we were able to uh, keep the whole thing going without like much of a setback so we've been able to keep uh, most of it going uh fairly well and uh, yeah so i thought if i'm going to work from home then i might as well have the home in a you know in a place that's more fun yeah, that would be so cool but i can't imagine hey rahul thanks a lot for speaking to me i have taken a lot of your time and uh, i love I love this conversation. Um, I had a blast. I hope you had uh, a good time as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We I should have uh, taken a lot more time to find out more stuff about you. I really didn't get to talking about you a lot, so I feel a little bad about that. But uh, it was a lot of fun. So, guys, upgrade what? Yeah, you were listening to Upgrade with Nakul, a production of the Podium Talking. Don't forget to like and subscribe.